and welcome to episode 23 of React Native Radio. Today on our panel, we have myself, Nader Dabbitt, Peter Pykarczyk. Hey, everybody. The rest of our panelists are out this week. Our special guest today is Devin Abbott of Deco Software. Devin, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of give us a quick introduction to how you got into programming? Sure. Like Nader said, my name is Devin Abbott. I got into programming when I was about nine or ten. If you ever played the original StarCraft game, it had this level editor and you could sort of write simple functions and stuff. So that was how I realized I could make my own games through programming. And from there, it turned into four years of computer science at UCLA. And then right after that, I went to Yahoo and two years there. And then I decided to start Deco. Okay. So you were one of the founders of Deco? Yep. Awesome. So like, what kind of stuff did you work on, I guess, at Yahoo that kind of brought you, or just in general, what kind of stuff were you working on that kind of brought you into the world of React Native and kind of what you know, brought you into the idea of making what Deco is? So at Yahoo, I did two different things. I was there for two years, and the first year I was part of the mobile team. And so I saw how there were you know, 15 different teams with both an iOS division and an Android division making these apps for the App Store and the Play Store. And they just took so long to build and so long to iterate on. And it drove me crazy how hard it was to reuse things, reuse components between, you know, not just iOS and Android, but even two different iOS apps or the same iOS app, but two different screens. It was just really hard to reuse code. And then my second year at Yahoo, I was part of the Yahoo Mail team, which was transitioning from YUI, if you remember that from back in the day, to React. And so I got to see this you know, massive overhaul of the code base. And that was when I first tried using React. I'd been writing Angular before, which was all right. But switching from Angular to React, I was like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. And so then I was like, OK, mobile apps are too hard to make. React is the most amazing thing since sliced bread. Let's put these two together. <laughs> yeah, so I guess when React Native was announced or the buzz was going on about React Native, I bet you were pretty excited about that, huh? Absolutely. I had already been mulling it over. Like, I bet I could make JavaScript bindings to the native platform APIs, and it would just link up with React, and it would be super easy. I'm sure mine would be nowhere near as good as React Native, though, so thrilled that they saw the opportunity. Yeah, it's really awesome to have a big company, you know, especially Facebook and, and, and how they've managed the project. But it is awesome to have a big company like that behind some type of project that is ongoing. I know a lot of times, you know, when people kind of come out with these amazing frameworks and amazing things, they're great, but it's just really hard to get the, I guess, the critical mass behind something along the lines of an open source project. It happens, but it happens more often. It seems to be more successful when a big company gets behind it. Definitely. So how did you create Deco? Like who, who all was involved in the original creation and, and how did that go about? There are three founders. There's me and I'm engineer and I'm also product manager. There's Gavin, who's a CTO, and there's David, who's CEO. And we all met at Yahoo. David and I knew each other because David was running the prototyping team at Yahoo, and I was really into making prototypes. I had been using Framer.js and working a lot with that at the time, 
And that was before I really knew about React. And then uh, Gavin's great at building large distributed systems and didn't have much UI experience, but we just we we were really interested in solving this problem that it's just too difficult to make mobile apps. It's too difficult, they're too slow to make, and they're too expensive to make. So we all sort of united behind this vision that we can increase the app development speed by 100x, which means like what takes three months now should take literally days. That is awesome. And I definitely see it heading that way. The more mature that React Native gets, uh, the better it's going to be. So exactly what does Deco offer in terms of what your product is? Right now, our product is an IDE for React Native. Uh, you could use it for React too, but really we want to make the React Native experience amazing. And the biggest focus for us is really the idea that we write too much code as programmers. And you know, in our goal of making it 100 times faster to build apps, the, the thing we sort of singled out was, what if you didn't have to write so much code? What if most of your code, say you know, 90% or more, could be reusable components? And so the goal behind Deco is, let's oh. figure out how we can make code really, really reusable using React and our tooling. So the, the first focus with the IDE is, again, to make it really, really easy to reuse code and find components, insert them, tweak them, publish them with as little effort as possible. And so everything that you can do in the IDE right now is really intended to speed up your workflow. So this means you don't have to, when you want a component, Google it, check out some results on GitHub, look at how many stars they have, npm install one, read the docs, try it out, see if you like it. Maybe you don't like it, try another one, npm install it, read the docs, put it in. It's just like... You, you hit Command-I, you search, you insert, and then you see it right away on the screen. That's one of our biggest things. Like Anything you insert, you should see right away. And this may mean like you know, it has a default width and it's not using Flexbox or something because if you use Flexbox, maybe it doesn't show up immediately. Uh, but it'll be easy enough to tweak it to fit in your UI as long as you, know, you can see it and play with it a little. That sounds pretty cool. So does this... Does it going to work, I guess, out of the box on Android and iOS? Is that, is that kind of the idea? Or how, how have you guys gone about thinking about in terms of, uh, of development um, platform? That's definitely the right idea. We want to support all platforms, both in terms of build targets, Android and iOS, and in terms of Windows, Mac, Linux for the developer. So Deco is written on Electron, which is the basis for Atom, as you probably know. And so that lets you build a web app that is cross-platform. So we hope that as many people as possible can use it and can distribute their apps to as many people as possible. Right now, in the current version that we've been giving to people uh, for feedback in the beta group, it only really works with iOS super well in the sense that like, we have a nice button for the simulator, that sort of thing. But of course, you can just React Native run Android if you want to run the Android version. So you mentioned it's, it's written in Electron. Um, so are you guys using React there as well, or is it? No, I'm kind of curious. Of course. It uses React. It uses Redux. And we actually have lately been trying to build 
Deco using Deco. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. It's always amazing dog fooding your own products. Uh, is it called dog fooding outside of Yahoo? I don't know. But so like just being able to tweak the styles and colors and see see it update instantly is pretty amazing. So if you're using uh, Deco for your own for Deco on its own, does that mean you have like like a React Native for OSX sort of thing that you're using for that? Just because I know that React desktop apps are a little different. We are just building it as like a web app and packing it with Electron. So oh, nothing okay. about Deco is native, although we've done our best to make it look and feel native. That's awesome. So you could also use Deco for the web too, right? Absolutely. I'm sure you probably want to focus on mobile apps too, but I mean like I'm kind of just thinking about I have this like crazy build that I've been working on that Nader already knows about and it's just like interesting to see this because I've been like bashing my head with like uh styles and just like it's I've been in code, you know, like for 12 hours a day the past week or so and trying something like this would be like a breath of fresh air, you know, cuz I wouldn't have to like just stare at my code, I could play around with it too. Yeah, we definitely want you to be able to use it with React. And, you know, if nothing else, we hope that maybe not immediately, but at some point we're just the best React text editor, you know, providing all the niceties around ES6 linting specifically for React and flow support if you want to do that. And just the the basic text editing... I've used Sublime, I've used Atom. They're both pretty good, but I want a little more, I think. Did you guys write your own text editor for Deco 2, or do you use like an Atom base behind the scenes? So we're using CodeMirror, which is the open source text editor uh, that's also used in brackets. And we helped develop the JSX parser for it. Ah, cool. This looks cool. So what sort of features are you looking to incorporate in the future? One of the big areas we want to explore is sort of improving the whole workflow end-to-end. So not just actually writing code, but also deploying the app over the air, pushing over-the-air updates, pushing A-B tests, test, automated testing in the cloud, and because Deco is so visual, we think it's actually a pretty good crossover to work with designers much closer than has been possible before. Because once you sort of build up this UI for tweaking your components, it looks a lot like Sketch. And so designers sort of feel right at home. And so we hope to simplify the whole workflow. Because you know a lot of the time that goes into building a mobile app is lost just in passing things back and forth between product manager, designer, engineer, and getting it into testers' hands. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be the cool part, right? Being able to give like the designers, because I did notice it is very similar to Sketch, and I think that's a plus because designers love Sketch and they love that whole ecosystem. And had, like this could be like their introduction to building a mobile app, right? Not necessarily like in the gateway drug kind of way where it'll get them into (laughs) development. But I think it's just like user friendly and there's a lot of cool features about this that would allow an individual to make changes without having to pull in a developer every time, you know? Definitely. 
And you know, a lot of designers seem to know a little bit of HTML and CSS, maybe even enough to like directly commit to the repository. So I think they're already pretty comfortable with React and React Native. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you guys spoke about this, but how do the live components work? Like being able to access all the different components that you have. Do you guys have a system for that? Or do you kind of like hard code them into Deco? Can you talk a little more about that? Sure. Well, we're a pretty small startup with uh, mostly just me and Gavin on engineering. So we're taking baby steps to begin with. In the version that a lot of people have right now, it's sort of like you said, hard-coded, the base React native components, things like image, scroll view, etc. In the version that we hope to release in the next week or two, we have, I think, a pretty simple system that we can expand upon. But the basic idea is there are two things that go to or that make up a deco live component. And the first one is dependencies. So maybe things from NPM, tarballs, et cetera. And the second thing is the actual template for the text that you want to insert in your code. And so our list of packages that you can search is going to be just, it's kind of like homebrew recipes where we just say, like, here's where you look for for the text. Here's where you look for the dependencies. And when you import, we fetch both of those. We NPM install, and we insert the text into your code. So we're going to start pretty simple, like a, a GitHub repo that has a big list of packages. It's very primitive, but you know, if someone wants to add a package, that makes it pretty easy for us to sort of vet the quality in the beginning because we can just accept their pull request. Yeah, absolutely. Call me crazy, but I think you guys should partner up with Exponent. You know, they're building like a platform and they've got their robust set of tools. I think it would be cool if you could like expose some of their components on Deco and just like it'd be like the best of both worlds. Definitely. We've been talking with a lot of the guys at Exponent trying to figure out how we can collaborate. We haven't done anything just yet, but certainly they are much more focused on sort of figuring out what the core set of components should be and on their mobile preview app than we are. So there could be a lot of overlap in terms of how you could write in Deco but leverage exponent stuff. That would be cool. That would definitely make a lot of sense too. Yeah, I mean, imagine imagine being able to work on something in Deco and then just like pushing it to exponent. You know, like it just like opens up NGROC or whatever and like takes care of that for you. I'm sure you guys will come up with some cool relationship that we'll hear about in the coming months or whatever. <clears throat> Definitely. So me looking at the uh, the introduction video and stuff, I have a very good understanding of kind of what sets you guys apart from Sublime or Atom or some of the other IDEs or text editors out there, whatever you'd like to call those. Can you kind of explain, though, to people that might be listening that haven't actually used it, kind of, uh, you know, what does set you guys apart? Sure. Well, I'll start by saying, you know, IDEs and text editors aren't for everyone. A lot of people are happy with Vim. But, you know, a lot of people also like more of an Xcode all-in-one kind of thing. And we want to build something that is sort of like the all-in-one place for React Native. So you don't have to have a window open with your text editor, the simulator, the Chrome debugging tools. Just sort of a place where everything is. You have a built-in debugger. 
right within your JavaScript, and you can inspect elements and whatnot. So that's, that's sort of where we want to start. Maybe it'll be a little less configurable than Atom, which is like their core goal. And probably, you know, we're just not going to, we're going to focus on making React Native as great as possible. But in terms of like maybe editing your other code, you might still want to do that in Atom. And then we also, we really want to do more than just be a text editor. We want to be an IDE. And that means we want to help you actually do things like install packages, search for packages, uh, figure out prop types for things, and give you access to documentation quickly. Want to make it so that ideally you never have to leave the Deco window. That would be super cool. The prop types slash flow types would be, having that support built in would be incredible. The one thing I've been like thinking about personally is like a, like a flow type autocomplete almost where React is just like intelligent enough to, like you're going, you're building this component, right? You're iterating and iterating, you know? And then I've had some really strict ESLint rules set up and it just drives me nuts every time it says like, oh, there is no, you know, type for this or that. It would be great if after, you know, like three or four iterations, you know, React, you know, or Deco in this case could suggest like, suggests a prop type for, you know, like products or whatever you're dealing with, you know? So like using previous executions of the code to figure out what types you probably mean? Yeah, it's probably an ambitious idea, but it's just like, man, I spent two hours today going through this project and just updating the prop and flow types, you know? And it's just like, Ugh, what is it? What's okay? I haven't worked on this for a couple of days. Let me take a look at this. Okay, what does React? You know, like what prop type is that? Like, what does it fall under? Um, and just go from there. You know, it'd be really cool if I could just like have that automatically, intelligently picked up. You know, but I'm I'm probably dreaming right now. It does sound pretty awesome. Are you using Flow, uh, Peter? Yeah, I just started using Flow. It's kind of like a mix. It's a hybrid. When I'm pissed off, I go back to prop types. But like early in the morning, I'll start off with Flow. You know, I have the Flow type docs open, and then like once I know I have to like speed up, like right like around this time, I'm like, ah, fuck this. I'll update it to Flow some other time. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you like it? Do you like using Flow? Yeah, I love it a lot. It's really cool. It's much more strict than Flow than prop types are. Okay. That's pretty cool. I'll have to check it out. I know I've been hearing a lot about it. So with Deco, can I, it looks like I have, I can like search for components too, but can I also build, save and possibly publish components back? Definitely. Probably something we'll focus on maybe not in the next like week or two, but probably right after that, we want to make publishing as simple as possible. Like, you write a file and you just say publish and somehow we know where that should go and how to index it properly and how to make it so that if people are looking for the kind of thing you just published, they get the right thing right away. And like I mentioned before, it's going to start super primitive. It's going to be like this Git repo and you basically will just add two lines that are like, here's, here's my Git repo, here's the file that you should use for like the template that you insert in the code and here are the dependencies and so if you have your own open source component on GitHub or on NPM, it should be pretty simple to add something in. But 
We want to make it much, much, much easier than that so that you can publish directly from the IDE. That's really cool. So would you like, would it be published under like Deco's NPM or would users have the ability or like, would it even not even go to the NPM? Would it not just go to NPM? It could just hang around in like the, the Deco ecosystem, right? Is that what you guys are kind of thinking about? These are tough questions. <laughs> we don't have all the answers figured out yet, but uh, certainly we want to play as nice as possible with all the existing components out there. And so whatever we end up coming up with will at least let you work with you know, existing NPM stuff. Whether or not we publish to a separate place, I'm not sure yet. I think probably you know, we wanted to make it even easier than NPM. And so I don't want to have to deal with things like namespace collisions. Yeah. I don't want to have to make people be like event emitter five, event emitter six, because that just sounds annoying. But it also does create a lot of issues if, you know, even namespace to a user, you have like a thousand different event emitters, because then that's not really any better. So we'll probably have to come up with something, but we don't have the solution yet. Yeah, that's cool though. That's an, like an exciting problem. It could like shape the future of the developer ecosystem, right? So that's what I'm excited about. Absolutely. And I also think these things tend to evolve a little bit on their own. And then we can sort of look at how people are using it and figure out how to build the infrastructure around that rather than sort of divining it ourselves because we'd probably just get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, do you have to have Xcode open for Deco, or mm, no? But if you want to run on the iOS simulator, you'll at least need the iOS simulator installed. Oh, cool! That's not bad. The iOS simulator is fine. It's just that Behemoth <laughs> app that you have to open up, which is a killer sometimes. Yeah, especially because you don't even use it. It's just got to be open. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, what kind of background does the rest of the team, and as far as engineering goes, uh, what kind of background do they come from? Do you guys have more JavaScript developers or native developers? Or I know you had kind of to- told me that um, you know, one of the guys was like a, a, a distributed systems engineer. Um, but like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, what are you guys working in all day like at Deco? Are you guys working in JavaScript, it sounds like? or We're mostly JavaScript guys. Um, so David was actually one of, well, so he started a company called Duostack, which was, I hope I get this right, acquired by .cloud, which then turned into Docker, which you've probably heard of. And when he started Duostack, it was the first cloud computing platform for Node.js, so it was the first hosted Node.js service. So David has cool. a lot of experience building this kind of system, including like, how should a package.json work? So David's been extremely helpful in like figuring out how the whole component insert flow should work, like where they should go when they're published. And then Gavin was mostly doing you know, back-end distributed system stuff at Yahoo!, I can't talk too much about that. Before that, he was working on more neuroscience research kind of applications. And then I think he just wanted a change of pace because there's only so much 
time you can spend working on things you can't see before you actually want to see what your code is doing. He's extremely talented, and he picked up Objective-C and Swift right away. And of, of course, he has the Java background, so he transitioned to native mobile extremely quickly for our needs. So I find the, the ecosystem that's evolving around React Native kind of fascinating. So um, I'm kind of curious. You obviously have kind of gone and you guys have started a company that basically depends on the future of React Native. Can you go into why you think React Native is such a big deal? Sure. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that it's based on React. And React is definitely a big deal because it's really, really easy to use then I think also it's a big deal that it comes from Facebook because that means it's going to get some love and it won't just die out or anything. It's got a lot of support and a lot of people are already using it and it's open source. So even if Facebook didn't have, not that this would happen, but didn't have the resources to keep working on it, the community could definitely pick it up. And I think when you look at two separate teams building iOS and Android apps completely separately. It's like a classic engineering problem. We know how to solve this. You build an abstraction layer, but just nothing so far has come along that's been good enough that like even the best engineers want to use it. That's, that's sort of my impression of the alternatives to React Native thus far. But with React Native, even the best want to use it because it really is that amazing. And part of why they want to use it is because the developer experience is that amazing. I mean, compiling your iOS and Android apps feels like building desktop software 10 years ago, and then you're on these two-week release cycles. React Native is like, screw that. Like, We know how to build web apps, and every client runs the latest version, and we push changes, and we have CI, CD. Why not bring that to the mobile developer experience? I'm right there with you, and it's so cool to see companies that are super heavy into iOS and Android slowly start to put their opinions aside and give React Native a shot. The coolest part being when I was at Trunk Club, the uh, the, the reason I was able to persuade some of the people to give React Native a shot is because every once in a while you get some like stupid spelling mistake or some you know corny bug that you're like, oh, I could have caught that, you know, but it slipped through the cracks. And then, you know, you have a few people frantically freaking out, like, we got to get in touch with Apple, we have to expedite this, you know, like, this can't be, you know, this can't be happening. But with React Native, you kind of just, like, push and deploy, and you're good to go, you know, and your problems sort of disappear. I mean, being able to share the same ideas and concepts and even code with the web app is, you know, also super cool, but I think in like a real world working situation, being able to push updates to your app instantly is so cool, you know, and it can save so many companies butts when it comes to stupid errors and mistakes, you know? Definitely. And there was one concern I'd have around React Native. It would be that there is a chance that at some point, for whatever reason, Apple might not want certain kinds of updates to be pushed through React Native, you know? Because there is yeah. a line where, like, you could push an entirely different app and that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like to some extent it's our responsibility to make sure that with, with our pushes we, we do the right thing. 
Yeah, I'm just assuming that one day someone's going to come along and abuse that policy so bad that they're going to do something about it. But I believe that even if they do do something about it, there would have to be some type of way for them to kind of look at the history of the of the company or the developer and kind of, you know, maybe do a, a circumstance based on whether or not you have a history or something like that, maybe instead of just kind of having a black and white line saying, yes, you can or no, you can't. But possibly having something more along the lines of if you've had a good history with us, then, you know, we'll allow it. Or maybe after a certain time period, we'll allow it or something like that. I don't really know that. That makes sense. And for sure, like, if you want to push weird content to an existing app right now, you don't need React Native to do that. You need a REST API. True. That's very true. (laughs) That's true. I mean, React Native is on the bleeding edge, right? And like, the people around this are all really smart, intelligent folks, you know, and I would say we're all, we're all pretty good people. It's when this sort of like goes into the mainstream pool of developers where you've got a few of those nefarious folks who kind of like, Oh, I could do that. Why not? You know? And just like, boom, start pushing stuff that, uh, they shouldn't be pushing. But I'm sure once that comes along, we'll have an answer for it. So as long as us on like the cutting edge of things kind of keep up with, you know, whatever we have to keep up with, we'll be okay. At least I hope. I hope so too. And I think that, you know, the deterrent of potentially getting kicked off the app store is probably big enough for anyone serious and for anyone not serious. Well, if they abuse it, you know, it won't hurt that many people. They might already be abusing an API that, we just don't know about because their app is used by 10 people. That's true. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually interviewed the code push team at Microsoft and they don't seem to be too worried about that uh, at all as far as the updating thing is concerned. So if they don't really, if they're not really worried about it, they have a lot of people working on them. It makes me feel better at least. Definitely. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that like Microsoft has jumped on the react native bandwagon and Apple hasn't yet, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like all these big companies are jumping on and like Microsoft being Microsoft has done a lot for us the past few months with React Native, which has been amazing. It's just surprising to me that Apple isn't kind of, isn't taking that cue and doing the same thing. Uh, But who knows? They might be, you know, or they just want us all to use Swift. (laughs) That would be very cool if they did jump into some type of React Native project or do something Along those lines, that would be pretty awesome, yeah. It's uh, interesting. I haven't looked into it, but I would have thought Microsoft's play would be make React Native for Windows Phone because like, Windows Phone has such few apps, but once React Native takes off, if you can just click a button to deploy to one more target, it's like they could pretty much have every app that iOS and Android have. That makes a ton of sense, actually. You're so right about that. I'm assuming that's what happened, and that's kind of like the idea they had when they first started. And now it's like, eh, well, <laughs> maybe we'll just stick to iOS and Android. But I could, I'm sure I'm 100% wrong. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that the, in my opinion, I wouldn't say the only reason, but one of the main reasons that their mobile platform hasn't taken off is the lack of available apps. At least the people that I've talked to, that's why they don't buy that, that phone or even consider buying it. So I'm kind of curious, what is Deco's future plan on, I guess, monetization and things like that? 
Definitely. Well, we don't plan on monetizing from the IDE because we think that should be free for developers. And we actually want to make as much as possible of it open source. We really plan on monetizing around the rest of the workflow. So the things like cloud testing and hosting of various aspects of your app and things like we haven't totally figured out how Deco components work in terms of where they're stored and how they're imported, but we're pretty sure that big companies are going to want to have their own private repositories. You know, the material design component repository that designers can directly import into Sketch and that engineers can import the latest version of and designers can tweak it in Deco and then engineers pull in the new one. And so we really think that there's a huge opportunity for optimizations in the workflow for teams of very large scales. A hundred percent. I mean, when, when I worked at Trunk Club, just we, we had a very good collaborative experience with like designers and developers and everyone was like, everyone played a big part in that, but it still wasn't easy. You know, like, do we put Sketch on GitHub? How do we handle that? Designers don't know how to use Git. What do we do about that? You know, and then yeah. you're, everyone was almost doing the same thing twice because you did have a designer that came up with the mockups and then you had a developer working, you know, turning those mockups into actual prototypes. The nice thing about React Native is you, you can sort of get rid of that middle ground, you know, and it would be really cool if designers and developers could kind of take advantage of Deco, but for their own, you know, motives. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I could definitely see that working out because there's just going to be uh, a lot of people that are going to probably want to use this. And I guess once they're in there using it and, and they're enjoying it, and if they have other things that could be a benefit from them, they could just kind of already be in the environment and kind of just grab those things and, you know, use them somehow. So yeah. It seems like there's just so much time wasted from taking a mock-up and implementing it. And not only that, but like, I know for a lot of engineers... Pixel pushing is not what they want to be doing. They don't want to be copying this mock-up and figuring out what views to render. And on top of that, like so much quality is lost. Not all the time, but you know, the designer has sort of this vision for how the entire app fits together beyond just the different shapes and sizes and colors. And so if there were a way to have the designer sort of manipulate the real app directly, I think we'd also start seeing much higher quality. So I do notice that a lot of the actual workflow revolves around design. Um, can you kind of talk about that? Is that something that you guys are thinking is a paradigm that you guys are trying to push forward, I guess? Having more like design um, or I guess designers be able to be part of the process. I know you've kind of gone over that, but uh, the IDE itself, if you kind of watch the video um, or the introduction, um, it looks like you guys have a really nice way to live reload or actually hot reload uh, design and styling and stuff like that. So, Well, we definitely want to be the best place for engineers to build React and React Native apps, but it does seem like there's got to be a better way to collaborate with designers. And it's not a problem that everyone has, but I think it's a problem that a lot of us have, especially when we work at larger companies that, you know, where on your team you have multiple engineers and multiple designers. We also, to some extent, are still figuring out, like, how to 
make the rest of the app composable in the same way that React components are. It's really easy to insert React components, and they pretty much just work together, especially if you have the props already filled out and you just need to tweak them. But in terms of getting maybe a good flow for getting your Redux reducers to all be composed as you insert new APIs and new data sources, that kind of thing. Hopefully, you know, the community is going to evolve around this and there'll be a lot of good ideas coming just here and there. But it would be great if it was just as easy to hook up your APIs and your, your persistent storage on the phone as it is to hook up components. So with Deco, are you, uh, are you sort of stuck using Redux and just sort of like what uh, the mainstream developers are using? How do, how do those, uh, like I can see on the left side, you have like actions, constants, components. Are those sort of like folders inside the app or do you guys intelligently sort of parse the code and figure out, oh, this is, this is a Redux store, so we're going to place it here. How does, how does that kind of come together? Or at least like right now, if it is sort of primitive, like what, like what do you plan on doing with that in the future, you know? Yep. Well, in the version you see in the demo video, it's already quite a bit outdated. And at that point, we were very opinionated about sort of how your app should be structured. But the more we were working with React Native, the less we liked that. And so now it really is like when you do create a new Deco project, it's just a wrapper around React Native init. And so you can structure your project however you want, use Redux or the various Flux, Refetch, Falcor. You know, there's a lot of them. And we don't have too many opinions about that. But I would like to. And, you know, maybe it's an option. But I am very frustrated when I have to make actions and a reducer and hook it up to my store and get the unidirectional data flow going for, like, a Boolean value. You know, I spend like 15 minutes just hooking up this stupid Boolean that switches like a toggle button back and forth in my UI. And wouldn't it be nice if maybe you have to use Redux, but let's say you are using Redux, the IDE just sort of hooked it up for you. That would be so awesome, actually. That is frustrating, especially when, you're, we are, when you are dealing with something like that, something really small, like a Boolean value somewhere deep in your app, and it's not really anything that's that matters that much to anything else. And you're like going through all this stuff just to, to work around that. Yeah, that would be great. So makes a lot of sense. Um, Devin, is there anything else you kind of think we uh, might uh, want to go over that we haven't kind of already talked about? Cause we are, you know, probably about five to 10 more minutes and then we should be good to go on the timing at least. Well, this is sort of off topic, but there's this really cool react native project that I just discovered recently called React Native Web. I don't know if you've tried it, but you know, I knew about it, but I'd never really tried it. And actually, it's pretty interesting to think that not only can I use my React Native app for iOS and Android, I could use it for my mobile website. And not only that, but like React Native is definitely built mobile first. So probably React Native Web could actually even feel more native than you know a regular web app just because the touch handling is like really, really good and that sort of thing. And so I'm kind of excited about that right now. I'd be interested in seeing what it would be like to have, you know, a built-in mobile web preview. So you don't have to even open up a simulator if you just sort of want to play around with ideas. And you could preview on like multiple devices at once because, you know, it's just an iframe. 
Yeah, I've seen React Native Web, but I haven't had a chance to kind of go into it. But it's a very interesting concept, the idea of, like you said, just having maybe two sets of code, one for the web and one for mobile. And that mobile version not only works on the web, but also Android and iOS. I mean, that, that it, it would be a it would definitely be a paradigm shift in the way engineering teams are structured in the future. Because doesn't it sort of make more sense that like the mobile team handles the mobile website? I guess it could if the mobile team is writing one for one code base, right? I mean, I guess if there were Android developers, it wouldn't make sense, but but it would make sense in the sense that we're talking, I guess, right? Yeah, that's true. But in terms of, well, I, I think in terms of like the UX, you know, on the desktop website, if you're trying to share with your mobile website, you basically have to like have a click handler and also uh, any variety of complex touch handling. Whereas if it were really mobile first, you'd start with the touch handling and then you wouldn't need the click stuff at all. Oh, right, right, right. I totally agree. I think that mobile web is a little different than the web and I think it's closer to native apps because it takes a lot of performance to get it right. And getting 60 frames per second on a mobile web app is already pretty difficult. So if you could apply that context, if if you can take uh, a native iOS or Android developer, convert them to a React Native developer, and then convert them to this mobile web developer like a year from now, like you've got a very powerful individual uh, that could... Like, I feel like that's sort of like the progression to native mobile web, quote unquote. You guys can't see me, but I'm like air quoting <laughs> right now. I almost That's like almost the progression of, you know, where things are going. And because of React Native, we'll see a lot more performant mobile web apps because the concepts that we're using for React Native will be able to apply to the mobile web too. I agree completely. I really hope to see that take off in the future. So when is Deco going to be available for, uh, I guess, when is it going to be in beta or when is it going to be available for general uh, public use, I guess? I'm afraid I don't have an answer to that just yet. We're going to have to see uh, how quickly we can get it stable and working really, really well with the beta group before we open it up to just everyone. But so far, we've only given it out to a very small group of the beta testers were sort of right on the cusp of being able to give it out to a lot more people. So if that goes well, then hopefully, you know, we'll just quickly ramp up. And if that goes well, hopefully we'll be able to open it up to everyone after that. Well, that's cool. I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. So, <laughs> Don't worry, you can have beta access. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think, I think all of us are on that list. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure to let you in. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Does that include me too? You bet. Yay. All right, cool. Okay, I guess we'll go ahead and get to our picks. Uh, Devin, do you have any picks for us tonight? Well, definitely React Native Web is extremely exciting, but I already talked to you off about that. Awesome, yeah, React Native Web for sure. Peter, do you have any picks? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of more um, smaller company work with a lot of documents and a lot of weird things happening, and I'm building a React Native app. Uh, something that's come in handy is React Native Signature Capture. When you have someone like out in the field doing whatever, and you know, like they're used to signing stuff on paper, giving out a carbon copy, uh, that's sort of going away, at least we hope 
It is. Uh, React Native Signature Capture has been awesome for uh, letting users just sign stuff on their phone in React Native. Uh, so I got to say it saved my butt, and I hope it saves someone else's too. That sounds really awesome. And I didn't even know about that, but I hope through Deco I can make it easier for people to actually discover that all this awesome shit is out there. I really hope so too. I feel like these days a lot of... You can make your life as easy or as hard as you want, especially if you're on a timeline, just by searching stuff, you know? Just like do a few Google searches, find the components that you need, and hopefully it'll make your life easier. It could also make your life harder if you find a component and then it turns out it doesn't work out, but that's a conversation for another day. But what if you could insert it with just one keystroke and then delete it if you don't like it? <laughs> That's why I can't wait to get my deco license. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that, well, they're good, but like the lists of components that people are building, you know, uh, JS Coach is really, really cool. And it's like the best thing that I have to look for awesome components I didn't know about. But it does sort of strike me as like a, almost a pre-search era kind of website, you know? Like it reminds me of when I'd go on the old Yahoo site and I'd be looking at this directory and I really just want to be able to search and their search is pretty good, but I don't know. I'm looking for a little more, I guess. So, uh, so real quick, sorry, Natter. <laughs> What's so much better about JS Coach than React Parts? Because I, I still kind of go to React.Parts even though I know like they're all about JS Coach now. I don't get it. You know, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I was under the impression that they were the same thing. Yeah, it's the same owner, except he's like, oh, go to js.coach now instead of react.parts. So I'm like, ah, I'm sort of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, but maybe they're planning on doing something else with it. Maybe they're just trying to get out of the React-only ecosystem and kind of branch out, it looks like. That is probably a good call. For sure, it's like one of the best places to find things right now. I'd never seen JS Coach until like literally about 15 seconds ago, and I'm looking <laughs> at it now. Pretty cool. Okay, uh, well, my pick is going to be a, another plural site course, uh, Angular 2 First Look. Um, I know we're a React Native podcast, but I still like to keep up with the Angular, and now that Angular 2 is slowly becoming stable, um, this was a really good introduction, and um it's given by John Papa, and he's you know always a very good teacher. So uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out if you'd like to learn more about Angular too. Okay, well, uh, Devin, thank you for coming on. That wraps up episode twenty-three of React Native Radio. We'll see you next week.